Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. This week, we're back again with Kel for another episode all around money. This specific episode focuses on cryptocurrency. What is it? Um, why might you invest? And, and all those good things. But Kel, you're very welcome back for another episode. I thought we'd focus on giving a recap of the first episode. So anyone who hasn't listened to the first episode, pause now and go listen to it. But we'll give a quick recap of what is money? Last week we spoke about yeah, the significance of Yap Island, uh, stone to then fiat currency to trust. So can you give the listeners an idea of what is money? Yeah, it's good to be back, Green. Um, I suppose a parted history of money, and I think it is really important to have a little bit of background on that before you even start looking into crypto, because crypto came out to solve a problem with money. So with money, uh, most of us would be aware of at the very beginning of time, before we had paper, before we had digital, all of that, it, there was a bartering system. And that worked really well if you had chickens and you wanted cows and you could make a deal with the cow farmer and the cow wanted chickens and all that worked out really well. But what happened would happen then if you wanted something, uh, and but they didn't want chickens if you're a chicken farmer. And so you needed something that could store value that everybody agreed on that would be worth X amount. And they're all happy to use that in lieu of just straight bartering and it just gave a common um a, a common thing they could focus on so actually yeah. where you mentioned the app island that was one of the first times we had the origin of currency and they used these rice stones these big huge calcite stones that got bigger over time they started off kind of as pebbles to exchange value and the kind of, because they loved these stones and they, it was what everybody in the island believed was the most precious thing that they had and they said, okay, well, this stone, well, that's worth a cow and this is this. But what would happen is then as bigger things would, they would need, like if their crops failed or if you wanted a dowry or a house, you needed bigger and bigger and bigger stones. And these stones got to a point where they were like the size of two cars and, <laughs> and they, it wasn't easy to transport. So over time, just to give the, the shorter version, money came in and we started dealing with the rest of us are dealing with gold and then money came mm -hmm. in and there was the gold standard and then the gold standard was broken in 1971 which meant that currencies were free floating against each other because before that you could go into a bank and say hey look i got my my note here and i want to swap it for that exact amount of money and the bank would How go cool sure would that that's pretty oh, cool <laughs> it was so cool but by breaking from that that meant that the banks didn't have to hold as much gold for a start, but it mm. also gave governments the flexibility to print money, to, uh, to make inflation go up or down or change it. And, and we trust to this day that our centralized governments, and this trust is, is, it has been well-earned and it, in general it has worked really, really well, but mm -hmm. the centralized government will manage the money for us and we the people trust that that will happen. But unfortunately, sometimes 
this trust gets broken and it's been broken in the last decade um, I know we spoke about Zimbabwe the last time and India and there's Venezuela I forgot to mention as well like they're going through massive hyperinflation and even with our own changing over from the punt to the euro the, the punt is not currency anymore so you can't use it as a currency because mm. somebody made a decision that what is written on the coin is not worth what's written on the coin anymore or it's not going to be used as a currency but the thing with money, um, and this is where crypto kind of comes into it, is that any transaction with money now, be it digital or paper, generally has, well, it has to go through a centralized system because the money is mm. printed in a central mint and it's sent out to you, or it's done digitally via your PayPal, your current account, or your online banking and all of those things. But you need that third party, you need that centralized government, and you need to fully and implicitly trust that government for this to work. And because it's not always the case, and also because privacy becomes an issue, because with money, if you're going through a centralized third party who has full autonomy over what happens to this money, you lose your privacy. So every transaction that you make, it's seen there, it's stored, it's transacted, and they know that I, Kel, have given you, Rian, this amount of money for whatever it is, and it's... it's, it's kept on all... a ledger, isn't it? Yes, in, in a bank, it's kept on a ledger. And, and actually, you'll see a lot of similarities in a minute. Um, but that's the, the background to money. So what happened in the 1980s, uh, these cyberpunks came along and they said, hey, well, we would like more privacy with our money. And we don't necessarily believe that you need the central government having all this power over this money that you work so hard to earn. And they can print it and you know, devalue it down to nothing. They can say this is worth um a thousand rupees now and it's worth nothing the next day it, there, mm. there was a lot of power in that and that didn't go down with everybody so these cyberpunks that are talking about well, what about a peer-to-peer -peer currency and that's what they started chattering in the 80s and that wow. was the very very starting of of even the concept of a cryptocurrency and it was even back as far as then that that happened so don't want to give away my age, but this was happened before I was born, is what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. During my childhood. <laughs> so cryptocurrency is the focus of today's episode. I think you've done a great roundup of what money is, the concept of money. Anyone wants a greater understanding, recommendation would be to buy Kel's book. Kel, you're an author of a book. As usual, we'll leave a link below to it. Um and that's where I learned all about the story of Yap Island. There's a great story about a rock at the bottom of an ocean that still is traded to today. But to learn more about that, go buy Kel's book. You can buy it from, uh, I bought it from bookmark.e, which is an Irish bookstore. I'm sure it's available on Amazon, Easton's and all those other places as well, Kel. Yeah, it is. Wherever books are sold, you can get it. Excellent. Um, so cryptocurrency, uh, what, what is it? <laughs> that like, is what? the ultimate question, isn't it? I personally, I'm going to start off by giving the caveat, I'm not an expert. I am yeah. just somebody who's fascinated by what it is and what it represents and what it actually is versus what it's used for in mainstream are actually two very different things. And I suppose what I'll do is I'll continue on from where I was kind of mentioning a minute ago with regards to these, these cyberpunks who are trying to do something different, that they were talking about what if we had this decentralized currency where we could just, instead of going through a bank, or through a brick and mortar or through whatever it's straight from you to i so you cut out fees you cut out the regulation and it keeps the power between the people as opposed to a government 
And this is where it all started. And there were a few iterations of Bitcoin before Bitcoin even came out. There was DigiCoin. And that was, if I remember, David Chow. But that went bankrupt in 1998. There's a whole background with that. And there's a few people tried a few different things, but nothing really was secure enough, thorough enough, well thought through enough until the paper from Satoshi Nakamoto was, was circulated around the cryptography kind of their own little groups, <clears throat> excuse me, in 1998, 19, sorry, in 2008, sorry, yes. And this nine page manifesto, for want of a better phrase, detailed this currency. Um, and it, Bitcoin is a currency. Now, Bitcoin, I suppose I must say, needs to be differentiated from blockchain. So, but this is also one of the first place where blockchain was mentioned, and I'll, I'll go into that in a minute. And the reason it's important to understand blockchain before you can go into Bitcoin is that blockchain is to Bitcoin what the World Wide Web is to the Internet. The Internet is simply an application that sits on top of the World Wide Web. So blockchain is the equivalent of the World Wide Web, and Bitcoin is simply an application that sits on top of it. And so it's actually, if, if I pause you there for a moment, yeah, go on. For this episode, I think my role is going to be that kid in the class that puts his hand up every four seconds, going, "Can you explain what that means, please?" <laughs> if if I got this correct, um, you're saying that the kind of concept was around uh, late eighties, late nineties, but if I'm understanding it, did we need technology to be where it is today so that something like this could happen? Like if that white paper was created hypothetically in 1990, but the technology wasn't there to support it. Would we be in the place we are now? Like, or is is it only happening because of you know the 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 2008, 2009 years and the advancements in technologies over those two decades? That is a brilliant question, and I don't know enough about computer science to give you a straight answer on that. Mm. However, however. The blockchain itself is written in C++. Now, C++ okay. is one of the longer running languages. It's quite a robust one, and, and I won't go too deep into it because it's not everybody's cup of tea. But the beauty of this blockchain is that when Satoshi Nakamoto, and we don't even know if it's him or her or a they, it's just this name. And There's an Irish it. guy that could potentially be him. There's a list of 11, and one of yeah, them is Irish. Yeah, that it could potentially <laughs> be. And it's, but it's fascinating because this Satoshi Nakamoto, and we'll just we'll pretend it's a person for the moment, they have, if they have never ever once cashed in any of their Bitcoin, which shows massive restraint and massive pride in their work, I believe, because if they were to cash in their Bitcoin now, they would be the richest person in the world. Wow, how many Bitcoin do they have? I actually can't remember. It's a been, lot, the, a couple lot. of billion. Yes, yes. I actually can't remember off the top of my head, but if they were to cash in their Bitcoin. So this is all on the blockchain. So how the blockchain works, right? Um, is it's written C and it's it's it and the, the software actually is open source, so anybody can download the mining software from the internet and put it on their own computer and start mining. Now there's reasons why you wouldn't necessarily do that now, but you can. But the beauty of it is the integrity in the code, the security in the code, the openness and transparency of that code that anybody can look at, but yet it still can't be broken. And this is, this is why it was such a brilliant uh, currency for the people, because everything about it was transparent. And how it actually worked, how it works is, if you were to do a transaction in a bank, everything it goes on a ledger, right? Be it a digital mm -hmm. ledger or an used to be paper ledgers. And 
all transactions are there. So the bank would look and it would look and it would say, okay, well, Kel wants to buy this thing. Does she have the 100 euro or whatever in her current account? Yep, she does. She can go ahead and buy that. With Bitcoin, it's peer to peer. And they have ledgers. This Bitcoin, this blockchain actually has these ledgers built into it. And every 10, 15 minutes, a ledger is made. And in that ledger, all the transactions for Bitcoin go into it. But the thing is, it's not centralized like a bank would be. You have these nodes and you could have potentially tens of thousands and not hundreds of thousands of nodes across the world at any place. It could be on somebody's home computer or it could be one of the big, huge super stations where they mine Bitcoin. And if all these nodes don't agree that everything is absolutely correct, then it's kicked out. It doesn't happen. And once all these transactions come in and there's a huge, big computational massive powerful set of computer problems that need to be worked out once they're worked out and everything in the ledger is correct and agreed by all these other nodes that's when this hash is made and closed in and a new ledger so the hash the ledger is within the hash and a new ledger is opened up every 10 to 15 minutes and each hash is attached to the next and i kind of think of it like a train where carriages are stuck together and every 10, 15 minutes, a new mm. carriage is put on. And once, once this hash is completed, nobody can go in and change that. It is stuck. You cannot go back and rewrite history. If somebody tries to hack into it and go back to an earlier one, it, they'll be kicked out because you have to get such a volume of nodes to agree at the same time. And if there isn't full consensus, it doesn't happen. So nice. that's what so makes it so secure. secure. It's massively mm. secure. And the, uh, the, 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 uh, this is when it started out the idea behind it was not that it was this store of value like people are treating it like the new gold it was purely so that we could use it as this currency that we could trade back and forth um with with our our, our various bodies am i am i <laughs> am i going okay no 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 I, i'm no i'm trying to wrap my head around this you, you've you've got it nailed down what i'm trying to understand is because I'm a slow thinker in comparison to most is crypto. You're essentially saying, cause I've understood, I've got these words, ledgers and things. Crypto is essentially a digital currency that can be purchased with uh, your own money via um, any of these uh, the exchanges. Yeah. Apps, there are a lot of exchanges. exchanges. Out there now. Yeah. Like I know in Ireland, we use Revolut. You can buy cryptocurrency in Revolut via your cash in Revolut. There's, I think there's eToro, there's Robinhood, there's a couple of others that you can buy these cryptocurrencies on. And then if we've got understanding the, the core elements so far, there's crypto. And then that basically, if people think of like uh, like a digital token, like an, like an arcade token, essentially. So they're giving their money and in return, they're, giving, be giving, they're going to be given a branded arcade token. And then there's the blockchain, which is the technology entire thing runs on. And you've got a traditional bank, which is centralized because it has some form of control. There's like the middle person, which in most cases is like the government or the people who print the money. And if I was to pay you, the bank take note of that on a ledger, which if I understood this is for simplistic terms, it's basically like a piece of paper. Reams paid Kel 100 euro. And then if Kel pays someone else, it's put on and then they can only do so many transactions on a piece of paper that then a new piece of paper is created, which is a different, if you go to Bitcoin, it's also noted, Reen paid Kel 
two Bitcoin, Kel paid Paul two Bitcoin, and it can only fill up so many transactions on a on, on a block that when it's full, and I, I was doing research before, before we joined it, there's approximately 2,700 transactions take place in each block. Yeah. They create a new block. And if I understood you've used the word hash, not a drug, hash is <laughs> the code that links one block to another block to another block because they can only have so many limited transactions on each block. And hash is like a code that talks to the previous block that says this is what was on the previous piece of paper and then this is what was on the previous piece of paper and you were saying it's so secure that if someone attempts to come in let's say we've got 10 pieces of paper lined up if someone tends to come in and rob paper number three they couldn't do that because they all have to agree what's going on if they don't all agree like if one flag something's going off they're going to be stopped from pulling or robbing that piece of paper or essentially in digital way, they're going to yeah. be stopped from taking that, uh, hacking that uh, blockchain or that ledger, if if I understood correctly. So when, when yeah. you see me looking kind of confused <laughs> or dazed, it's, I, I'm just trying to process the whole thing. Yeah, look, it, it took me a while to get my head around because it, it is a new technology and it's a new way of thinking about money. And the thing yeah. is, like you said, if somebody did come in and try and, for example, rob ledger three, that would actually negate all the subsequent blocks in that blockchain. Okay. So it can't actually be done. It wouldn't just be, oh, that block's gone missing, where's it gone? It would, it would, if everything is green and good, it just turns everything red straight So off. let me ask you this then, if we had, and just for me, we had pieces of paper as ledgers or blocks, can someone see that Rian owes, like is the trend, because if you go to a bank, maybe it might say Rian paid Kel, Kel paid Paul on a, blockchain does it say Reen paid Kel from my understanding there's some code attached to your name so your name is never seen yes and this is where the privacy side comes in which was okay. one of the big things with, with with bitcoin as well and cryptocurrencies in general it was to get privacy back and get autonomy back in between people so mm -hmm. when you buy bitcoin for example there are two keys there is the public key and the private key and the public key allows you and I to look at the blockchain and look at Bitcoin and go, ah, there's that transaction there now that is proof to the world that I gave you two Bitcoin. Yeah. Now, people don't know it's you and I. Just see a lot of digits. Correct. Now, you who received that two Bitcoin off me and me who sent that Bitcoin to you, I have a private key, you'll have a private key. And it is only through that private key can you access your money and your, your name will never be attached to it, it doesn't have to be. But if the world can see the one key and you have access to the, your actual money with the other key. And those two keys talk to one another to protect your identity. Correct, yeah. Gotcha. To the best of my, 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 my mm -hmm. language skills to, to describe this, because I'm not an expert, I just find it fascinating. I've read a lot about it and investigated a lot into it. So there, there could be somebody out there who is very, very much an expert in Bitcoin who could get the nuances a bit better, but that's pretty much what you're looking at. And this can be a frustration to, to kind of governments or any of the regulators because they can't see that I've transferred the equivalent of money to you because if they can't see that, then they can't tax it or charge it or follow it or anything like that. And that is a frustration. But what it does then, it, it allows basically the full value 
of me sending to Bitcoin to you to arrive to you at that full value without charges and all that sort of thing. And if you don't know who has what money, then you can't follow it or inflate it or deflate it or print more of it. Yeah, exactly. So you've mentioned a potential frustration on behalf of the government. There's probably some other concerns or frustrations around there with focusing on uh, crypto, or you could even focus on Bitcoin as an example that people might be familiar with. Uh, I'd probably be best actually stating that Bitcoin is one of several thousand cryptos. When I did a Google search yesterday, there's over 4,000 different cryptos. Might be familiar with some. I know there's uh, Ethereum, there's Litecoin. I'm sure you're familiar with a couple of other ones that are out there, but there's over 4,000. But the most popular one is either Ethereum or Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and then actually there's a difference between Bitcoin and all the others. Okay. So Bitcoin is a currency in itself. The others are altcoins, alternative coins, I think is the abbreviation for it. And there's a key difference in how it's mined and how you get them. And this, this is one of the concerns around crypto and specifically Bitcoin. So when you're mining or when anybody is mining Bitcoin, you there's a lot of computing power and the stakes get higher and higher with the more bitcoin that's out there and the more bitcoin that's mined because there's only 21 million bitcoin in total and there's only about 2 million left to be mined but you'll see the cost going up because actually the cost of mining the computing power and the server size and complexity that you need to do it at this stage is really really high and that's heavy on the environment to the point where there are many of the bigger mining companies have located up to huge big rivers and dams in the middle of cold areas of the planet to keep the heat wow. down because these servers generate a lot of heat, but also to use the hydropower because they would just drain grids way too fast. But for the Bitcoin particularly, it is very high energy intensive and all this computing power for nothing more than a digital coin. And that can cause concern. And yeah, for but, sure. But to mine that, it's called um, proof of work. And that's really energy intensive. But with the altcoins, and I, I believe it's pretty much all the rest of them, you need proof of participation, which is different. And it's not as intensive from, uh, uh, from a computer perspective. So they're actually easier and cheaper and simpler to mine than Bitcoin is. They are different. So just going back to the, the internet sitting on the World Wide Web, and the World Wide Web can hold so many different things. We assume they're the same thing, but they're not. And mm -hmm. so these altcoins are sitting on the blockchains, the equivalent of the World Wide Web, but they work slightly differently. And Ethereum is a really, really good one. Ethereum could be a massive one in the future because for ways that you might necessarily think, Ethereum was designed for contracts. Now think of all the contracts you've worked through in your entire life from buying a house, uh, from any kind of legal stuff, all that thing. And if you think of the blockchain, like we were saying, once it's in there and it's noted, it's not changed. So you could buy a house in about two or three minutes using Ethereum or blockchain technology. Wow. And it's your house and we agree and the money is sent over and it's there on the ledger forevermore that Kel sold Reen a house. There you go. And you cut out all the time and the middlemen and everything. It's a long way down the road, but it is very, mm -hmm. very possible. Well, just like the internet was in its infancy three decades ago, and people were confused by that. It takes time to um, to get comfortable and used to the way people pay for things. You know, now I went into Tesco this morning to get a coffee, 
and uh, I paid with just tapping on my phone, whereas 20 years ago, that was non-existent. 10 years ago, that was non-existent in Ireland. Um, yeah. I, I w- you might have heard me tap it away. I, w- I wanted to get some, some data. Uh, <laughs> two things I searched. One was to give people an idea of the market cap for both Bitcoin and Ethereum being the two most popular coins. Uh, Bitcoin, 735 billion. Yeah. And Ethereum, 324 billion. You touch on energy. Uh, can you take a guess? Uh, there is a country that uh, if you combine all the energy that it takes to mine these coins, it beats one of these specific countries in the world for more energy. And it is Argentina. It's not a small country. Argentina. That's a big country. Yeah. So that uh, shows you how much uh, stress or uh it's, and it's the computing it's the computing power that's required like if, if somebody's ever interested you can look on youtube there's loads of videos of these huge big stations and you can see walking through and the hum of the noise of these servers and there could be thousands of servers that's how complicated mm. the maths is to create this but what it does as well though it, it helps keep the system clean and i'll explain that a bit more and that's my words on it not any other words to incentivize the the integrity and security of the Bitcoin and the the blockchain it sits on, you need to make sure that it is managed properly by the miners and to incentivize the miners to get better and more proficient and faster, they earn coins. So that every 10, 15 minutes we're saying when a new hash is made Mm -hmm. before the next ledger is open, start the next hash. Like these hubs, and that's why it's probably not going to be uh, to your benefit to download onto your normal computer now because we've way surpassed that from a computing perspective. But um, my computer they, can barely cope with iMovie, so <laughs> I'll, I'll pass. Yeah. Like, no, back in 2008, 2010, even up yeah. to maybe you could mine these on your, your, your normal laptop because the, the maths was relatively simple compared to what it is now. When you think about the size of the servers you need every 10, 15 minutes rotating through all of this. But they get their two or three Bitcoin now, whereas initially you might have gotten 50 Bitcoin back in 2010 or when it came, you know, at the very, very beginning. So it, they need to be able to cover their costs to do this. So it's it's self-cleaning system in so far as it'll, they need Bitcoin to be a certain amount and it's worth it to them to keep it going. Yeah. But in saying that if, and this is not to worry people, if the Bitcoin price drops, well, then that will actually bring new players into the market because it's still going to be lucrative to mine these Bitcoins. And then the price will go up again and the, the stakes get higher and higher and higher. With it. Okay. So if somebody is particularly environmentally conscious, potentially Bitcoin may not be for them. And that's because I know um, that is a big thing. But if you are still interested, the altcoins wouldn't be as energy intensive. As, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who would have so, thought we'd get onto environmental things talking about Bitcoin, eh? <laughs> no, no. It's it, it, it's great. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. It, it just confuses me in the directions. Um, we're talking about altcoin and Bitcoin at the moment. You've mentioned to create a new block. It happens every 10 to 15 minutes on Bitcoin. One of, considering we're talking about concerns and frustrations, energy, uh, government, the frustrations of the government, one of the other things is um the now that we're talking about let's say ethereum and bitcoin one of the other differences is why is ethereum becoming so much more popular 
and gaining traction compared to Bitcoin. And you touched on a thing and you said to create a new block takes 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, that's rather slow. Whereas with all these others, it's much faster. I've done some maths on this. Um, each block of Bitcoin can hold one megabyte of transactions. Touch on earlier on, there's 2,700 roughly uh, transactions on a block, which is the piece of paper that we referenced. And it takes 10 minutes to generate a new block. Um, so if we go, there's 2,700 transactions on a block and every block takes 10 minutes to generate a new one. That means that Bitcoin can do 4.6 transactions per second. If we compare that to the likes of Visa or MasterCard, who can do 24,000 transactions per second, it is rather slow. So these other things like Ethereum are much faster at doing transactions than Bitcoin, which is another reason why they are becoming popular, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have all the answers on this. But if you remember, we were speak, I mentioned earlier about proof of work versus proof of participation. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's like chalk and cheese. You're looking at two very different workloads from a computing perspective, because all of this is built on a mixture of maths, computer science, and cryptography. And proof of participation is much lighter and faster. And because most things that are lighter, they're faster and more nimble. And also you have to remember that Bitcoin has an absolute finite amount. There is an end date on when- You said Bitcoin, 21 million? 21 billion, 21 million, oh goodness. <laughs> It's a lot. It is 21 million Bitcoins. That's it. 21 million. Okay. 21 million and, there's, and there's roughly 2 million left to farm. Roughly 2 million left. See, Bitcoin was designed as a currency. The altcoins, and even though we see them all and we call them all digital currencies, each altcoin will have its own little superpower, for want of a better phrase. And Ethereum is because it can... It, it includes contracts. You can transfer mm -hmm. massive assets very, very quickly if you choose to do so with it. Now, a lot of people will buy it and use it as a store of value. And that's what's happening with Bitcoin. It's instead of it being used as a currency, and this is a concern with it, it was designed as a currency. It was designed to be used and transferred and as a day-to-day, -day, just like we use our euros. But what has happened for loads of different reasons, it's now been used as a store of value and it's been treated more like gold than an actual currency which is not necessarily what it was designed to do so it's hard to know how things will play out because if you look back at text messages when text messages came out way before your time read um, <laughs> i remember when text messages came out and the the, the phone providers uh, didn't think much of text messages they thought oh well, look it's just it'll help people uh, or just you know guys working in the background just to send a quick message like a a pager pager kind of thing yeah but text message took off in a way that nobody ever imagined that it would in a direction nobody ever imagined that it would because the text became the beginnings of what social media is because whatsapp came on and viber came on and, and they got more sophisticated when emojis came on and um, gifs came on and then we could do videos then we could call and then all these just things just grew from an idea that nobody really thought much of that's a great so, way of looking at it yeah well it's it's it's, it's how I kind of make sense of these things in my head. Mm. And I think Bitcoin, the idea behind it was idealist and for a fundamental change and give power back to the people in a really secure way. But now it's, it, 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 it got a bad reputation because the privacy was taken advantage of. 
with and people would have probably know the silk road and just nefarious things that you don't necessarily want to be associated with mm. and that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths but the idea behind it wasn't for that the idea behind it was as you were saying earlier to give us our privacy back and give people power over their own money that was the idea but now it's a cross between in some people's minds Jones. nefarious activities exactly <laughs> and other people's minds oh this is the new gold and trying to square that off we're, we're kind of in the mix of that at the moment and i don't know actually what bitcoin will become and it's hard to know because from what it started off being to what it is to what it will be they're all very different things there's so many so many um you you put it greatly there with the comparison of text message and how that has evolved into different things so there's so many different types of coins not just bitcoin um someone was potentially thinking about investing or has invested how do they or how how would you think because i think i said there was like four thousand different types of cryptocurrency like yeah how can i protect myself or what are the steps i should make naturally i would assume that like you know four thousand first thing i do is i'd like uh check out the company myself to see who are there any other big investors that have invested in this who actually owns the company uh who's promoting it are just trying to pump and dump um several different things like that you know uh one thing that's quite common actually that i read up on the other night was sometimes these cryptocurrencies uh or things that people are promoting uh, aren't actually even developed um so the company themselves are looking to raise money so they can develop said name of whatever they've come up with. So definitely, if you're looking to protect yourself, it's do a fair bit of research on any of the alternative coins that you might not be familiar with. Ethereum, relatively safe, Bitcoin, but any of the other 3,900, I'd certainly protect myself. Yeah, um, it is. It, look, it is hard to know. Right. And hindsight gives 2020 vision. Like so many mm. people are saying, oh, why didn't I mind my couple of Bitcoin or why didn't I invest when it was 39 cent or whatever? You could not have predicted how this would have have gone right? for all the reasons we just explained. And a huge amount of altcoins have jumped on the bandwagon. Some have massive integrity. Some are, like you mentioned, pump and dump and differentiating between them can be very, very difficult. But the way I would kind of view things is like if you were investing in a good company, you will look at the background exactly like you're saying, Reen, you will say if it is legitimate, it's going to be there for the long term. So if you do mm -hmm. miss it when it's below 100 euro and it goes up to a thousand, whatever the altcoin is, you're still going to be good at a thousand if it is what it says it is. And it is as sturdy and as secure and structured as what it says it is. And getting rich quick is more, more gambling than anything. And yeah. I would I would caution anybody who is looking to get rich quick either massively do your research or potentially sit back and see as things unfold or if you really want to dip your toe use your sandbox money that that couple of percent of your portfolio that you want to just take a punt on that that, that little kind of little elf inside you that just needs to just have that risk yeah but keep it to that. Do not put your life savings in it. Do not do anything like that. It's sandbox money, in my opinion, at the moment, until it has proven itself more. I 100% agree with you. I feel like there's probably cases of the, out there of people who have put their life savings in this mm. and are now probably crying. Um, but definitely put money that you're willing to say, I'm okay if I never see this again. 
type of money, you know? So and whether that's, you can afford to put a hundred euro in every month and you want to deposit it monthly to go in as it grows and dips and grows and dips. Um, but just be aware that you may never see that 100 euro again on the flip side, because it's so yeah. volatile that hundred euro may turn into 10 grand. Who knows, but just be aware that you might not see it again. And this is the thing I was looking at some of the longer uh, term graphs with Bitcoin and with a lot of these new technologies, when they come out first, there's a massive amount of volatility and uh, the early adopters mm-hmm. take a huge risk on, on anything that comes out really, really early. But now that we're, that was 2008 when it came out the white paper, and the first Bitcoin was, was, was mined shortly after that. So we're into 2021 now. So it's just over 10 years old. Like it's still relatively new, but the volatility of Bitcoin has dropped a huge amount in that space of time. Now, I know it's gone up to very high amounts of money, but if somebody, and I'm not encouraging people to buy it by any manner of means, because for me personally, it is very much a punt at the moment. But at the same time, the volatility is, is lowering in it. Yeah. I've got I've got an interesting funny story that you, that you that you might enjoy. I have a friend called Gareth Flower. Yeah, he, uh, he owns a company called uh, Park Office. And he's actually over in New York at the moment. He used to own Crust Bakery in Dublin, so they used to supply a lot of like the croissants and donuts and whatnot to like, Tesco and they had their own bakery. And they were the, the first people to like create the concept of a cronut, like a cross a croissant and donut. Yes, they did this so they could get some press. Uh, so they can raise, raise awareness of Crust Bakery, K or UST, if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, Gareth is not uh, involved in it anymore, but he all, one of the other things he did to create some kind of press was to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. So here's the funny part, right? So I don't know what summer it was uh, he accepted. And I, he, he, he's a listener to this show, so I hope you don't mind me telling this story, Gareth. But, um, <laughs> I know he, he, he's done a YouTube video on it as well, so I'm sure he's fine with it. Um, he... he uh, he accepted Bitcoin as a form of payment when, you know, I don't know what year it was, let's say 2012, 2013, when there was a bit of hype around it originally, and then it kind of died that period. And he got something like five or 6,000 euro over like a six month period of, and you can watch the video for the true facts uh, of accepting Bitcoin. And then it kind of the hype of it died down. And he was sitting there with about five to 6,000 euro worth of Bitcoin in their system. And the hype had died down and they're like, oh, what will we do with this? So him and his friends decided for the summer to use it to buy beer and pizza. I spent the summer just traveling, buying beer and pizza. And then I was chatting to him like a couple of months ago uh, about this. And he said that if he had kept that, the current value wouldn't be 5,000. It would be 965,000 euro. You can never know the future. Mm-hmm. Could have been I hope you enjoyed the pizzas the and beers. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. when you mentioned pizza, there, um, it was there, there's this there's a day, and it's called Bitcoin Pizza Day, and it is it's the it was the twenty second of May two thousand ten, and it was the first time that Bitcoin was ever 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 used for a transaction for goods, and it was a okay. guy who had mined bitcoins, and I can't remember exactly how much um, he paid for these pizzas but he, he bought his pizzas in Bitcoin. And that was for him just making this decision one time to do it. He legitimized accidentally Bitcoin as a currency by buying these pizzas. And that was the 22nd of May, 2010. And you could nearly argue that that was the day that Bitcoin really started properly with people because it made it the currency it said it was. 
that was probably more expensive pizza than than Gareth paid for. So, uh, oh, I'd Gareth, say if you're listening, uh, there's Feel someone better. worse. Yeah, yeah, I think it worked out that something like it, it set the price, and I have, and I could be corrected on this, something like thirty nine cent as an American cent uh, per Bitcoin. Okay, so that's what at the, the time, yeah, at the time, imagine that now, huh? Very expensive pizza. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, a couple of people might be wondering about potentially investing in crypto. I did some research. Um, four things I've got down here. First is uh, low transaction fees, but that's not the case in all cases. Uh, for This is what I'm reading a quote out here that I took. For initial transactions, you'll pay about the same amount for both PayPal and Bitcoin. PayPal is an example of another transaction that people won't be familiar with, but PayPal has an edge. Uh, when you sell your Bitcoin for a fiat currency, government-issued issue, currency like the dollar, uh, you'll pay another fee. Meanwhile on, meanwhile, on PayPal, you'll only pay a fee when you initiate the transfer. So there can be low transactions, but not in all cases. So that's one reason why you might consider. Second reason is high risk. Uh, sorry, high reward. In brackets, I have high risk, so volatile. Uh, third reason is transactions are quick, permanent, and hard to fake. This eliminates a lot of fraud issues banks potentially deal with um yeah and then the other one is you mentioned 21 million uh there's a set amount that will ever be created so for potential reasons why you might consider getting into it but again be advised to do your own research on that um i've just done a bit of research and i'm bringing you what are some of the popular answers are on why other people have decided to get involved in it i know that recently china cracked down on bitcoin yeah. Uh, or cryptocurrencies in its in itself, and I think they made it illegal in Beijing to uh, use cryptocurrencies as a form, or maybe just Bitcoin as a form of transactions. Yeah, and on one hand, you'll have uh, funds been set up, hedge funds, otherwise that are you know all Bitcoin or blockchain, and on the other hand, you'll have you know and, and banks. Some banks are starting to make up, and I think Facebook is looking at having its own cryptocurrency and things like well. that. And on the other hand, then you'll have, like, it'll be CISOs. It'll be CISOs. You'll have, oh, no, uh, we're going to outlaw this. We're not going to have it. And then uh, on the other hand, you'll have, oh, no, no, we're embracing it now. And we're actually making our own version of it on the blockchain. So it is it is so hard to predict this at the moment because back in uh, 2017, the first time Bitcoin hit a really big high and in euros, about 15,000 euro per Bitcoin. And then in about 24, 48 hours, it dropped down to seven. And now, Holy it's, moly. yeah, it went up as far as up into the 50s. It was $63,000. So whatever that would be in euros so in the 50s in euro. And now it's dropped back to 31. So it, you do have to, <laughs> to have the stuff. That would give me a heart attack just paying attention to that. We see, and that's why it's 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 not for everybody. And that's why it should only be if you are doing this sandbox money. It should only ever be money, like you said, that you are willing to say goodbye to and never, ever, ever have again. And if somebody is considering this as a long-term investment, and it may very well work out to be a fantastic long-term investment, um, you often will go through an exchange. There are various uh, brokers and things, uh, online brokers. But I would advise that anybody who's doing that and planning on long-term minding of Bitcoin, storing it as value, treating it like gold, like an investment, have your own external wallet. And mm -hmm. don't leave it on the exchange. Don't forget about your password either. 
And, and this is the thing when somebody has uh, their wallet, their external wallet with all their seed codes and stuff like that, kind of just keep it in your mind. That wallet doesn't actually hold the Bitcoin. What it holds is that private key, that key we were yeah. talking about earlier that unlocks the door to your Bitcoin. And if you lose that private key, there is no resetting that password. It is wow. gone. It is absolutely gone. Yes. So, so you need to be very, very careful with how you store and keep that private. Funnily enough, actually, uh, last, was that, no, it was the night before last, there was a power cut out of a tote and I forgot the code to my alarm in my apartment. Um, my, my girlfriend was back at her parents we were speaking around before this and I was alone and I was like, oh God, I don't know the code. My girlfriend's asleep. It's like two o'clock in the morning and this alarm is ringing and I hadn't saved the code anywhere. So... And I couldn't wake her up. So I was just sort of sitting there for 25 minutes, waiting for the alarm to turn off itself. Um, still don't know the code. I probably should, <laughs> find, I probably should find that out. Um, but, uh, that wasn't really the learning it needed to be, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Which is, which is probably why I'm probably one of the uncommon people uh, who hasn't invested in any cryptocurrency. Uh, two places I prefer to invest in are uh, my pension, from my company so it's uh, before tax uh, and then uh, a dynamic fund uh, is another place so might be worth another episode to discuss those things but uh, I prefer to do that uh, not as high risk and not as and not as volatile again definitely with your research if you're considering either of those the dynamic fund or anything like that but uh, certainly if I can't remember the code of my alarm uh, I'd probably forget the code to my wallet so uh, and, and that's there's a lot of bitcoin locked away that people don't and won't ever have access to again because the security on this stuff is just that good it is mm. it's, it's genius in how it's done but it it's one of those things where you need to take ultimate responsibility if you are going to be investing in bitcoin because if you lose it that's it it's gone and there's a, i'm sure a lot of people will be aware of the story of the guy in england and I remember it hit the news um, when Bitcoin started gaining traction uh, from a, a monetary perspective. And he had his keys on his old laptop. And I believe it was his wife had dumped that laptop. And it, it's in the landfill, whatever part of the UK he's in. It's definitely worth a Google because he came back in the news recently and he had offered the local council a, a really big chunk of what the Bitcoin on that laptop would be worth if he found it. He was trying to get them to dig back through seven or eight years of landfill waste to get his laptop oh, back out gosh. because it, it's worth millions at this stage. Mm. <laughs> so be super careful with these things. And if somebody does want to read more, actually one of the easiest and more informative books I've ever read, actually was a book, it's, it's called Bitcoin. It's got the namesake by Dominic Frisby. Now, it came out in about 2014, and I read it a couple of years afterwards, but it's definitely worth a read to get the background and to understand it. And it would be a really good starting point if somebody is interested and wants to learn more, kind of cut through a lot of the, the, the heavy jargon and stuff and, and understand what it is and make a better educated decision of, well, is this for me or not? Mm -hmm. So I found that to be good. I'll leave a link to that below. Definitely worth uh, being patient and doing your research before you make any uh, sudden jumps into this. Uh, I'd like to summarize kind of what we went through today. So 
you started with, with a recap of what money was. Anyone wants to kind of get a full understanding of that, leave a link to your book below. Um, but today's kind of episode was focused on three main areas, the what of crypto, the, the how does it work, and the why might I potentially invest. So in terms of what crypto is, you explained very well that essentially it's just a digital currency. Uh, think of it as you use your own fiat currency, dollar, euro, to pay for a specific in my example, was an arcade token that you have access to. Then there's the blockchain, which is, if we think of it in simple terms, a ledger as a piece of paper where notes are taken on who pays who. So if I pay Kel to Bitcoin, that's taken down on the ledger. Each ledger can hold up to 2,700 uh, transactions. And then another ledger is created. Uh, so they're called blocks. And as each block is created, there is a hash and a hash is a code that links one block back to the previous block. They cannot be hacked because for each new transaction that's made on the ledger or block, it has to, all the other transactions have to agree that this is a legitimate transaction. So incredibly secure. Um, and that's kind of what uh, blockchain is. Everyone has their own private key and public key. The public key is so that you can go on and look to see what transactions are made. The private key is your own key that you have. And the two of them talk to one another to identify that a certain transaction has taken place um, is my understanding of what crypto is, how it works. Use any of the apps like Coinbase, Revolut if you're in Europe, uh, Robinhood, eToro. There's about 4,000 different cryptocurrencies. I'm sure there's been one or two more created since we've recorded this. Probably. <laughs> Some, some of the concerns about it was uh, particularly energy. You touched about how some of the people who are mining it have moved to a colder climate so that uh, it's not as, uh, what would you say, not as... Uh, the servers generate so much heat and actually to, to keep their, I don't know if it's necessary to keep their, their impact down, but rather than having in big cooling units in the buildings, mm. they just moved to a colder place and potentially, you know, hydropower and they, they basically rig up their own electric station to their wow. servers. Just, and it's, it's, it's a clever way of doing it because hydropower in itself is renewable, which makes it better. And you're not adding with the, with the natural cold of some of those areas. You, it, it is, even with all the computing power, you are kind of keeping the carbon footprint down a little bit, not ideal in any shape or form because at the end of the day, computing power is just used to make a Bitcoin. It's not used to cure an illness or anything, but at the same time, it will be, it's much more beneficial to do that than hook into a town's grid who is maybe burning mm. oil and coal. Interesting you say hydropower because I had one of my previous guests on probably two weeks ago was the former CEO of Borgosh, John Mullins, now the CEO of Amarenko. He, amongst another couple of people that have spoken to since having spoken to him, say that uh, if we can nail it, hydrogen cars are the way of the future, not electric cars. Um, it's interesting that you bring up hydro uh, as a point. Um, and then we went on to... Uh, some of the other things of how is how you can protect yourself. You mentioned just basically be thorough, do your research and think before you act. And then yes. the why, why are they so popular? Why might I consider investing, you know, high, high reward, but high risk, uh, quick transactions. Um, and there's a limited number. So if you can get in. Yeah. Anything that's scarce, like gold is scarce. Therefore gold is valuable. You know, mm. platinum is scarce. Platinum is valuable. Uh, that's a Bitcoin is scarce. 
the some of the other altcoins don't necessarily have that as one of their unique selling points, but Bitcoin definitely does. And that's one of the reasons why it's been stored so much, because there is a finite amount. It was set out from day one. It's a finite amount. And there's a couple of million in some landfill in England. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to take a hiking trip with a difference, there you go. Yeah. Well, well, I've certainly understood it a bit more. And again, episode number two with Cal. Uh, I've had a great pleasure again with you. Um, look forward to what future topics we discussed. But I hope people have got a better understanding or their head wrapped around of what this cryptocurrency new age thing actually is yeah and uh, hopefully some of the uh, just i know we're, we're, we're finishing up now but one last little point no far ahead chunk of the hype around bitcoin because you're trying to balance between the idealists of you know this is a currency that we should be using versus the investors with the a lot of the investing side of things around crypto in general and this is a, a, a caution i think for people is there there is this massive fear of missing out this fomo going on whereas if i don't get on mm. the cryptocurrency bandwagon if you can try and make yourself as immune as possible from that fomo because it will only be time that will tell us what currency if any at all is going to work out or not but getting on it with the hope of getting rich may not be the most prudent use of your money and listen to um don't uh, that's how do i say this without sounding <laughs> sound ridiculous there's a there's a few people on social media who are just promoting a coin so that they can make money and like drive up the the general interest around a certain coin so that they can cash out and have made a couple of million and they're not in it for you so again do your research and be careful before yeah. you jump in ask yourself like what do they really know about crypto itself correct and the, the final kind of thing from me i blockchain is genius this is my opinion um it is absolute genius i do think it is the way for the future i don't know what that will look like yet and i think if we if we start understanding it a bit better as a general rule we can start using it properly and life could be so much more fluid and just even like receiving Ethereum for transactions and for for sending money back and forth, it is it's amazing in its security, its privacy, its efficacy, its efficiency. Uh, but it just remains to see how we choose to use it. Agreed. It's it's still in its infancy. It's funny because there's plenty of studies coming out that like uh, social media itself is still in its infancy, mm-hmm. um, and that's probably two decades old at this age and we're still early days yet not really fully understand how to kind of get a grasp or get a handle of like what that mammoth of a thing is and crypto itself is even younger than that so um maybe our kids will get uh will get their head wrapped around us faster than we will and, and, and treat it more for what it was supposed to be as opposed to ah, i need to get my crypto now quick quick everyone yeah. else is getting it. everyone else is gonna be rich but that's the thing it it, it it can be i remember when i was a young kid uh my first phone a siemens phone and uh i used to be uh my second phone i can't remember what it was and i had internet and i used to just buy these songs on the phone that were costing like five euro a song and it was taking money out of my dad's 
bank account and he was furious. <laughs> Whereas now, if you go on the phone and have Revolut, you don't need to seek permission from anyone. You can just go and buy crypto. And if you're easily influenced by any of these online people that like, yeah. you can buy it like as fast as I click my fingers. So uh, could potentially be worrying, but do your research. Yeah, I think anything like this, I, and I know everybody says do your research it's like you get a new appliance a new washing machine people say read the instructions and nobody ever does you've been warned now by us <laughs> but do yeah. try and 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 read widely and get many people's opinions from the best quality place you can like for what we and I what we've been talking about like it's a jumping off point and it's just a, a to give people a bit more of an insight as to what it is and demystify some of the things around it but it is a jumping off point for anybody and it's we're just two people who are really really interested in bitcoin absolutely 100 percent agree best way to put it is um there's no silver bullet to uh, financial freedom or um building an incredibly successful company takes decades to do yeah. you talk to any of those who are successful a lot of them have to forfeit um time elsewhere that they might want to spend um family vacations other things there is no silver bullet no matter what people tell you no matter what you see online what people portray online is a completely different scenario sometimes to what their actual real life is like so um yeah if anyone tells you that it's a quick get rich scheme that's a that's a sign for a red flag in your head yeah it, yes, actually, there was a quote I read recently, and it was, um, it took me eight years to become an overnight success. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't agree more. There's, yeah, yeah, it, it's phenomenal. I've been, surround, been lucky to surround by a lot of successful business people, um, but they'll tell you themselves. Uh, some, some of them have broken marriages because they focus so heavily on their business. Um, some of them have missed important occasions in their life because they focus too heavily on their business. I'm not for that but I can tell you that it wasn't an overnight success with them and I didn't just click yeah. their fingers. Um, the, what was the equation for success? Luck meets preparation. So if you are in a situation, but you're prepared, you can have a greater chance of becoming successful. The best way to do that is to put yourself in more situations with being prepared that you could strike luck. So yeah. networking is an incredibly key part of landing it because the more you network and are prepared and have your 30 second pitch down and your talk nailed and prepared yourself, uh, the higher chance of luck is going to strike if you put yourself in more of those situations. And sometimes that's what happens to people that have made it, that, that, that they got that lucky moment, but it's not just luck. It's because they had their shit together and they were prepared at the same time. So Take it from me and several other people that, you know, you're seeing all these great uh, stories of like, well, it's not so great that someone left it at a landfill, but, and that <laughs> someone, someone went and spent 5,000 on pizza and beer and now it's worth almost a million, but there's plenty of great stories and hype around uh, Bitcoin on, on the other side. There is no silver bullet, but I know we've been saying that for the past five minutes, but I say that because I don't want someone to go out and make a decision and be easily influenced by uh, anyone online. Yeah, Absolutely. The, the phrase that is the more you practice the luckier you get so the exactly. more research you do the more you understand it the better your educated guesses will become and bitcoin could be your your 
your thing that makes your money but it will only be that if you put in all that groundwork and understand it and know what you're doing and even at that we don't know enough about the technology to guarantee any form of real success we'll leave it there for this episode uh, <laughs> look forward to, to the next episode but for now thanks Kel great thing hearing if your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning, get a sun in my morning, baby.